Willkommen Wiener to Kvasir's Corner, your gateway to the Viking Age. My name is Jacob, and joining me again today, we just can't get enough of him. We have Jay with us again. Um, welcome what back up? to the show, Jay. We just hello. We keep inviting you back, and you just keep coming. Yeah, well, you know, just and, can't get rid of me. I know it. Yeah, you have good insight. We like having you here. Thank you. So uh, last time we started our look into the prose edda, the stories and legends surrounding uh, Norse mythology and um, the Norse cosmos and universe. You've got Odin, you've got Thor, you've got all that, all that great stuff. So we'll be continuing that uh, today after these words from our sponsors. They're not sponsors, it's us. After, it's we us. don't have sponsors. Uh, after our social media plug time, here we go. Kvasir's Corner is presented by Minnesota's own Viking Encampment. If you'd like to stay up to date with the encampment and get more fun and informational Viking content, please follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Viking Encampment, as well as on Twitter and TikTok at Viking Encamp MN. If you've been enjoying Kvasir's Corner or any of our other content, such as our Hell or High Water Dungeons & Dragons series, please consider supporting us on Patreon. We have many different support levels, each with special exclusive rewards for your support. These include early content access, behind-the-scenes content, access to the VE's private Discord server, digital hangouts with the Vikings, and, at the highest level, the status of honored guest at our, at our in-person events. If you love our digital and in-person content, and would like to see us expand to create even more, you can find us on patreon.com forward slash Viking Encampment. Thank you for all your support. Skull. That Patreon sounds like a good thing to donate to, don't you think, Jay? Yeah. I mean, a lot of us are getting an influx of cash pretty soon, so, I mean, what else are you going to spend it on? <laughs> Bills? Please. Bills, yeah. Yeah. I mean, make make sure that you can afford food and things, obviously, but nah. in all seriousness, you know, make sure you're good. But if you find it in your hearts and want to donate uh, to, to the Patreon to support this or support the Viking encampment as a whole, we always appreciate that. But make sure you're all safe and good and secure first. Um, that's the Viking encampment caring for you. Aha. So anyway, <laughs> we're going to move on. Um, so we are going to continue our look into the prose edda. So we talked about the, the prologue and kind of the context of the prose edda last time. And so now we're going to get into kind of the meat and potatoes of, of the content mm -mm -mm. with the section, uh, section of the prose edda known as the, oh, once again, we need to work Gil on this pronunciation. The Gilfogenin, the Gilfogenin, or as it's translated into English, the deluding of Gilfi. Um, so fun Icelandic names. That's one of the reasons I love these sources. You get to play with those those fun words. Mm -hmm. So the Gilfogenin begins with an account of this great king, this King Gilfi. Um, or Galfi, or however you want to pronounce it. I'm sure people have different ways. And I'm sure there's a right way that I don't know. Hmm. Um, but so this, this great king, King Galfi, 
um, who is a ruler over the lands that are now called Sweden. And the, this account starts with him um, finding this woman traveling through his, through his realms. And in return for the pleasure of her company, um, which we'll leave, leave there. I'm sure everyone can figure that out. He offers a, a piece of land to her um, as, as payment for that. To, to put it simply, this section seems kind of out of place to me. And I'm wondering if you feel the same, Jay, um, just because it doesn't seem to fit into anything except for an explanation of where the island of Zeeland came from. Yeah, I agree. Because, you know, at one point we're talking about, you know, Odin. Oh, he just came from Turkey. He's walking around. We're talking about gods. And then all of a sudden we're talking about some random king. It just... Mm-hmm. It just, uh, I think, because Gil, as we continue on, um, the rest of the, the 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 stories are kind of told as though they're they're told as though they're being told by someone who is telling a story to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know if that was just Snorri was like, oh, this will make it more interesting. I'll just have Gilfie be getting a story time hour. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> story I, times with Gilfie. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So yeah, I don't know. It it does seem kind of out of place. Um, but you know, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Part of me wonders if um, this whole kind of framework of the the myths and legends being presented. Um, as story times with Gilfie. Um, it makes me wonder if that was just something fabricated by Snora as a delivery method for the myths. Could be. Um, to kind of fit within his framework, uh, his Christian framework of these being the tales of men. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense, uh, really. Yeah, I, I could, I, I, I get what you're, you're saying. Yeah, so, you know, and that's something we'll, we'll probably never know is if Snora just kind of created this uh, this framework, this deluding of Gilfi to present the myths without talking about it as a, a religion or a faith um, as he, you know, has, has tried to do if you listen to our prologue episode and, and whatnot. We go into that in more detail. So that's one of those historical mysteries. We probably won't ever know if uh, this was just a snorty fabrication or if this was actually something that was in the kind of oral tradition of the, the Norse peoples before Snorra wrote it all down. So fun mysteries that we don't have the answers to yet, if ever. But mm-hmm. that's why we do what we do. Ooh. So there's really not a whole lot to say about this this first portion uh, that's describing King Gilfi and this woman uh, whose name is Gifyun. Um, the only thing of real note is that uh, this woman Gefyun, who King Gilfi um, spends time with, uh, is from the Aesir. And so does this great deed of taking oxen from Jotunheim, uh, which is in the north, north of Sweden, according to this. And there's a lot that we can go into that as well. <laughs> Um, but she, she takes oxen and she drags land from Sweden into the sea 
and creates the island of Zeeland, which is part of Denmark now. Um, and then there's a, a poem about about this from an old skald called Bragi the Old. So that's really all that happens in in the first part. I know small, very small occurrence. We just made an island. Um, <laughs> happens all the time. Happens all the time. Everyone just takes oxen and drags land into the sea. Yeah. Uh, but it just, in the scope of the narrative, it doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So um, we're, we'll kind of move on past that to, to the deeper, the deeper stuff as we go here. So after, after that event, uh, Snorra writes about how King Gilfi uh, was a, a wise man who was skilled in magic. And he wanted to, to learn about the Aesir who had appeared in, in his country um, and figure out kind of what their situation was, what magical powers and what knowledge they had. So he, he disguises himself as a, um, as, a, as a traveler, just a kind of common, common guy, mm-hmm. and takes on the name Gangliri and disguises this Gangliri person he travels from his kingdom to the kingdom of the Aesir. And he, uh, he arrives at the Hall of Valhalla, Hall of the Slain. So this is the first mention of Valhalla in the, in the prose Edda. And it'll be mentioned uh, more often. Oh, yeah. Well, more often. It'll, it, its importance will be, it if you don't know, sense. yeah. If oh. you don't know, you'll know. I'm sure Everyone knows about how. My cat so, escaped my bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Save the cat. Eh. All right. She's fine. She's quiet okay. now. All right. All good. So King uh, Gilfi, disguised as Gangliri, travels to Valhalla, the Hall of the Slain, uh, with its uh, roof made of shields, and he meets the three kings of the Aesir. And Jay, I cannot find the section where the three kings are named. Do you happen to have that? Um, let's see. Do, 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 do. Poppy has them. Poppy. Poppy has say? it. Yeah. Well, she's running away. She doesn't have it. She lied to me. <laughs> um, I am trying to find it. Oh. Uh, let's see. The man guiding him replied that the king was in the lowest of high seats. He was called High. Uh, the next came the one called Justice High, while the one highest up was called Third. So we got High, know, Justice yeah. High, and Third. So you got this kind of interesting situation that um, Gilfi Gangliri comes into. The you know, there's the three men sitting on their well, does he? Are they described as men? Uh, three men sat there, okay. one in each seat. Yeah. Okay. I I wasn't wasn't sure uh, for for certain, but there you go. So three men sitting on the these high high chairs, high chairs, these thrones. <laughs> sitting in their booster seats. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're having fun today, folks. It's great. <laughs> so. These three men are sitting in their in their thrones, and the the king of the Aesir is actually sitting in the lowest of the seats, uh, which, as Jay just said, his name was High, 
followed by just as high, followed by third. And third was sitting on the highest of all the thrones. Very you know, interesting dynamics. Um, so what what do you kind of make of this, Jay? The fact of the, the three kind of people of power, but the king being the lowest of them? Um, yeah, um, it's kind of an interesting image, don't you think? It is. Uh, I mean, as, as we see repeatedly throughout all of the stories in various ways, it does kind of remind me of um, the Holy Trinity in, in Christianity with the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this idea of having three kings, you know, you have the three kings, quote unquote, with the Christian faith. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that part of them being like the levels could be you know, like he's lo- the the highest king, high, he's lowest mm-hmm. down so that he is, you know, more accessible to the common people, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I could see that. Um, that's going to be an interesting one for our compare and contrast episodes coming up in the future. Yes. Where we, we talk about um, Christianity and the, the Norse, uh, Norse religion. Uh, which I'm still looking forward to once we get all those eyes dotted and T's crossed. Because yes. that, that, that would be a very, very interesting conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so kind, kind of invoking imagery of the, the Holy Trinity, which again, to me, speaks to the fact that Snorra fabricated all this to kind of play into that Christian worldview. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it, it seem, seems to point to that still. Um, Good old Snora. Just got to <laughs> make, make yeah. those little changes and make, make it more accessible, which would be an understandable thing uh, for a, a writer at the time. Definitely. You know, you want to make it palatable. You want to make it easy to comprehend and understand for an audience who may not have as much of an education about philosophies and religions and things other than what they personally practice. So, you know, I, I can see from a kind of author's perspective wanting to make it palatable to potential audiences. It just, it makes it hard, as I believe we mentioned last time, it makes it hard to piece together what is Snora and what is older than Snora, you know? Yeah. But fun, fun dynamics all around. So King King Gilfi as Gangliri um, approaches these these three kings with high justice high and third, and he begins to ask them questions about the world, about the gods, and about all this kind of deep philosophical um, knowledge that he's looking to to gain. And it's here that we learn. Uh, many of the names for Odin. So Gangliri begins to question the three. Who is the highest or oldest of all the gods? Uh, High replied, he is called Allfather in our language, but in Asgard the Old, so Troy, uh, he has 12 names. One is Allfather, a second is Heron, or Herjan, Lord. A third is Nikar, or Hinikar. A fourth is Nikus, or Hinikund? 
I believe I pronounced that right. could. Yeah, I could be butchering all of these Who so knows? terribly. Um, a fifth is Fjolnir. A sixth is Oske. A seventh, Ome. An eighth, Biflidi or Biflindi, which means the spear shaker. A ninth, Svidar. A tenth, Svidurr. Those R's, wow. <laughs> An eleventh, Vidurr, which means ruler of weather. And a twelfth, Yalg or Yalk, which means gelding. So, you know, just a, li- a list of the, the 12 names of, of Odin. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting enough, Odin isn't on this list. Yeah. Which I hate I hate to keep bringing it back to the point of, was this an omission by Snorra to not make Odin a god? It definitely could be. And, you know, and I was thinking uh, with all of the different names that Odin has, that could be mm-hmm. like, oh, look, like, it's just one god, and just other people call him different names. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, going back can, can be like, oh, so when we say there's only one god, you know, it's still your god. You just gotta pray how we want you to pray. Yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah, I could see that too. And it, again, <laughs> it, it connects um, very similarly to... Um, to Christianity and Judeo-Christian faith mm-hmm. because, you know, the God of Israel and the God of the Hebrews also has many names. Yeah. So, you know, so again, it's making the the Norse mythology, making it palatable to a Christian audience. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think so. So if we haven't kind of hammered that home, Snorri's MO is to make the mythology of the Norse palatable to a christian audience a hundred percent that will probably probably be a recurring theme as as we continue mm-hmm. snore is nothing if not predictable <laughs> yes. so we get the names of the all father um and then uh we the the three the three kings high justice high and third talk more about uh his his kind of role in things So High replied, he lives through all the ages and governs all things in his realm. He decides all matters, great or small. Then, just as High said, he made heaven, earth, and the skies and everything in them. Then Third said, most important, he created man and gave him a living spirit that will never die. And by man, mankind, humanity. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just to, in case anyone was wondering. Yeah. Um. Even if the body rots to dust or burns to ashes, all men who are righteous shall live and be with him in that place called Gimel or Vingolf. But evil men go to hell and from there into Niflhel, which means dark hell, which is below in the ninth world. So, again, more more very obvious connections between Judeo-Christian faith and Mm -hmm. North faith mythology. The question of is it Snora, is it um, is it Norse? Um, you know, we we could probably ask that question of a lot, a lot of this. Yeah. Um, I don't know if people just want to keep rehashing that point, so we'll <laughs> we'll kind of move past it for now. But 
just keep that in mind, dear listeners, that that is something that you can you can easily kind of question is how accurate is this to Norse belief and how accurate is it to a 12th century Icelandic Christian? Mm-hmm. So you keep that in, in the back of your mind and it's something to consider as we continue. So after uh, we learn more about the Allfather, his names, his roles, and a brief, you know, very brief overview of life, death, and that whole kind of system, we then get into the Norse cosmos and the Norse universe. And it's at this point where I feel that um, while staying in the framework of the um, the looting of Gilfi, we start to see a little bit more directly uh, of the, the Norse worldview and what the Norse might have actually thought yeah. and seen in, in the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we learn about the Allfather, and then we go on to learn about some of the different uh, realms. And we also learn about the beginning, what, what was going on in the beginning of the universe before anything else happened. So um, in the, this is in the, the fourth kind of section of the Gilf, Gilfening, if pronunciations are correct. Mm-hmm. And so we talk about how in, in the beginning, before the worlds were, were formed, there was Niflheim and there was Muspelheim. Uh, so what, what Jay, do we kind of get about Niflheim and Muspelheim from this section? Um, well, it just kind of talks about like what these two worlds are. Um, it starts off with saying that in the beginning there was nothing, which, you know, is the same as how the Christian Bible begins. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing, there is neither sand nor sea nor cold waves. The earth was not found nor the sky above. Galunga Gap was there, but grass nowhere. So Galunga Gap is what is like the name of this nothingness, this empty mm-hmm. space. Um, and then Niflheim is the world of ice and Muspelheim is the world of fire. Um, so it's like these two opposing forces and between them is like this vast nothingness Mm -hmm. yeah just an empty void needing Mm -hmm. creation exactly um which considering that there is the theory that um that the muspelheim they theorized that oh it was actually africa because it was hot and and you know desert it was just fiery and and mm-hmm. Niflheim, that's that's up north in Scandinavia because it's icy and there's tundra and it's so cold nobody can live there. And then this Ganunga Gap, this nothingness that's ready to be molded, that's you know where a lot of Christianity kind of originated, which I think is mm-hmm. kind of interesting. Um, yeah. But in a more uh, literal sense, for like the story itself, you know, it's just this empty space. Mm-hmm. This empty space that's primed and ready for for life to bloom in it. A nice blank canvas. Nice blank canvas, ready for ready for Emir. Woo! The first being who appears within Gunungagap. So 
There's Niflheim in the south. No, Niflheim in the north, excuse me. Uh, Muspelheim in the south. And then Gnunga Gap, the yawning void in, in the middle of it. And in the midst of the, the mist and the fog that is coming from the, the hot and the cold from Niflheim and Muspelheim, there emerges the, the first, first being, the first... Because um, he's, he's not a god. Mm-mm. No, he's well, not I mean, a god. He's uh, they're they're considered a Jotun. They're the first yes. Jotun, but at this point there wasn't really even Jotuns because he's like the first thing. Yeah, so you know, it, people could easily just say yes, he's a giant or or a Jotun, but he also seems to be a touch more than that because yeah. he is the first. Mm-hmm. There's nothing, and then there's Emir. Uh, so from the from the fog of, in the Ganunga Gap um, emerged this this being known as Emir, um, and then the the Edda says the frost giants call him Urglmir, and from him come the clans of the frost giants. So Emir is the could be considered the frost giant god. Yeah. Uh, if if such such a thing were. You know, there really isn't any discussion about frost giant life, is yeah, there? Yeah, no. Well, and I think it's kind of interesting. Like, this is the this is the most ancient god, god, quote-unquote god in existence. You know, even mm-hmm. before the, quote-unquote, gods of the Norse people. So it's like, the first people. They worshipped Ymir, because Ymir was the first thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I do. I'll have to look that up now because I've never really kind of considered the religious implication of Emir, mm-hmm. or if he's just a gateway to Odin and his brothers becoming godlike. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll have to do see if anyone's done any research on that. Oh, I'm that sure. There's lots of nerds out there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look at us. I know. I know. It's a beautiful day. We're talking about the Prozetta. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Emir emerges from the from the void of of Gnungaga. Um and then we learn that another being, another creature of some primordial mythic origin, also emerges in in this gap. So the the mist and the things that are forming in Gnungaga because of uh, Muspelheim and Niflheim uh, created this kind of icy rhyme um, substance and from this icy rhyme comes a celestial cow by the name of Althumla and so from from the cow from this cow Althumla uh, Emir was able to get nourishment by drinking the cow's milk and for Althumla to get uh, her own nourishment she would lick on the the icy, rimy, salty blocks that are emerging from uh, from Niflheim, and I don't know, it's hard to it, hard to describe a void of nothingness and things floating in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, you know, there's this ice, this salty ice that the cow Othumla licks for for nutrients. And then Jay, I'll let you bring it home. What emerges from the ice that Othumla is licking? Uh, well, as she licks, uh, as she licks these stones of icy rhyme the first day, the hair of a man appeared in the blocks towards the evening. On the second day came the man's head, and on the third day the whole man. 
He was called Buri, and he was beautiful, big, and strong. So there we get uh, this, another being, this this Buri. Um, and from, from Buri comes his son by the name of Bor, uh, who took a wife with a woman called Bestla. Uh, Bestla, I believe, is a giantess. Yes, yes yeah, Bestla is a giantess. Uh, one of uh, one of Emir's um, spawn. descendants. Spawn. <laughs> they just yeah, kind of they just kind of pop out of his armpits. Yes, yes. All the frost giants emerge from Emir's sweaty armpits. Mm-hmm. Fun fact. Everybody. Or from his left leg mating with his right leg. Apparently, you know, just yeah. how we learn in health class. Exactly. We all remember. We were all there. Yeah. Uh, so so Buri uh, has a son named Bor, and Bor um, takes a wife with the, the giantess Bestla. Um, and then she, she has her own lineage, the daughter of the giant Boltthorn. Um, and so Bor and Bestla then have three sons of their own. And these children are Odin, Vili and they, and they are about to have a very. Um, how would you describe their adventure in the last minute that we have here to describe um, the adventure coming up? Uh, creative. Yeah, they're going to get very, <laughs> very creative. artsy. Yep, they're going to get very you know hands on with some arts and crafts, and mm-hmm. they're going to create some. Uh, some very interesting things. Yes. Um, which we will have to find out more about next <gasps> time on Kvasser's Corner. So thank you all for tuning in. And we will see you on the next episode of Kvasser's Corner. Bye.